Welcome to Highlawn Baptist Church in St. Albans, West Virginia, where our mission is to know Christ and to make Christ known. For more information, visit us online at highlawnbaptistchurch.org. We're so glad you've decided to join us, and now we invite you to grab your Bible, if you're able, as we pray that you will be blessed by the preaching of the truth of God's Word today. If you would, please take out your copy of God's Word with me and turn to the 21st chapter of the Gospel according to St. John. Now, as we, we talked about several Sundays ago, there was a time in the apostles' life right before Jesus uh, prepares for his execution. As he's trying to tell his disciples what's about to happen, as he's prophesying about his own persecution, he warns them that just as the shepherd has stricken, the sheep will do what? The sheep will scatter. And then Peter, open mouth, insert foot, Peter, the guy who was so boisterous, so arrogant in a way, so presumptuous, someone who would nevertheless was part of Jesus' inner circle. After Jesus declares that you will scatter, Jesus stands up and he says, I will never leave you. All of them may go their separate ways. All of them may scatter away. I will never leave you. If need be, I will die with you. In other words, he's boasting before Jesus in the presence of his fellow disciples, his brothers, his brother disciples, I love you more than all of them. No matter what happens, I'll never be a fair weather Christian. And imagining the scene, I can... Think of Jesus with tears in his eyes having to look at his friend, part of his inner circle, one of his chief students, and telling him, Peter, you will deny me three times before the cock crows when that day arrives. And we hear the story of how, how Jesus was captured in the Garden of Gethsemane. How he was taken and he was put on display. And as they were mocking him, as they were beating him, Peter is gathered around a warming fire with some of the servants of the household. Again, this is a private home we're talking about here. So the people who are the lower servants, let's say, the, the butler, the cook, the cleaner, whatever you want to call them, they're sitting around this warming fire outside. And Peter is still, he, he doesn't want to be associated with Jesus. He doesn't, he's afraid. So he only wants to be at arm's length at this point in time. This person who thought that he was so convicted and so sure of himself in his own power, in his own might, write that down under his own power, under his own wisdom, under his own strength. He was so confident. And yet when the time, when the time came to test his mettle, when the time came for the hammer to strike the sword to see if it was powerful enough to hold an edge, when the time came, he shattered. Aren't you one of them? I can tell by your speech that you are from Galilee. No, I don't know this man. I'm the relative of the man whose ear you cut off. I saw you. I could swear I saw you in the garden. 
No, that wasn't me. I'm telling you, I never knew him. In Matthew's Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, Jesus himself says, very powerful words, that he who professes me before humanity will I also confess before my Father. But he who more literally translated, he who disowns me before others, will I also what? I will also disown before my Father. If you've ever wondered why a public profession of faith, if you've ever wondered why baptism is important, this is why. Whoever confesses me before others will I confess before my Father in heaven. Whoever disowns me before others will I also disown. So what was Peter's condition at this time? Right as Jesus is preparing for his ascension to the Father, what is Peter's condition? He has a lot more on his shoulders, but I want to focus on what's leading us into this passage. This is right after Christ has risen from the dead. This is right after he's had his first few appearances before his disciples. There's the sin of commission, the sin actually committed, which is the outright denial of Christ. In effect, outright disowning Jesus and his fellow disciples. There's the sin of intention, the sin within the heart, the sin which was propelling what was on the inside, propelling the actions of the outside, which is the sin of doubt manifesting itself as fear. Fear is a mild form of atheism. Fear is the understanding, the the conviction that God will not do what he has promised that he would do. That was what was festering inside his heart. Then the sin of omission, the thing that he should have done and didn't. Simply put, that was being faithful. Standing by his conviction. Sin of commission. Sin of intention. Sin of omission. All this hanging upon Peter's heart. What was his condition? The Word of God tells us in Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. Jesus is actually predicting this in another passage. Simon, Simon, Simon. Simon, the person who quakes. It's one of the reasons why he renames him Peter upon this rock, upon your profession of faith. Upon the strength that is this conviction that God himself puts in your heart, I will build my church. But in this case, whenever he says Simon, whenever he goes back to the old name, it's because that rock is losing its strength. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked me to sift all of you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, literally, when you have returned to me, strengthen my brothers. This is a foreshadowing of what's about to happen in the passage we're getting ready to study this morning. When you have returned, when you have repented, when you have returned to me. But as the angels themselves, Mark's gospel, they're identifying with what's going on here. Peter had disowned Jesus. Peter disowned his brother disciples. Notice that when the angels tell the ladies to go back, to tell them about what's going on with Jesus, Tell his disciples what? And Peter. Peter is apart. Peter is separate. Peter is not included. Peter is the other by his own volition on the outside. 
So at this moment in time, the person who would be the chief disciple, one of the heads of the church, one of the two main figures in the books of Acts, he needs to be brought back in. Peter's condition, he has a disbelief in God's protection. He is suffering from a disbelief in God's providence. When the time came for him to be tested, he had a disbelief in God's Messiah. He is in a state of disfellowship from Christ because he disowned him. He's in a state of disfellowship with the disciples because he disowned them too. This is what has to be undone. Please write this down in your notes. Many times, just like we have been in in the Old Testament study, God will forgive us. And God will forgive us in a very personal way. But regretfully, there are still consequences that we have to face. And those consequences, when we face them, will not be pleasant. But the God that has called you to redemption has promised that the work that he has begun within you, he will also draw to completion. This is individual. This is painful. But this is for the sake of restoring Peter, as we read together. John chapter 21, verse 14. When you get that in your copy of God's Word, say amen. This was now the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they had finished eating together, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, Simon Bar-Jonah, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. We're going to delve more into that. Because in the English language, There's a lot of things that we don't get. We have greatly reduced many things. For starters, in the Greek language in which the Old Testament, or excuse me, in which the New Testament is written, there are give or take about eight words for that we now translate, we lump it all together as love. Not all love is love. That concept is very new and very recent. From the ancient times, there was different types of love, different qualities of love, different relationships, some that were conditional, some unconditional, some deep, some superfluous. There are four of these that are mentioned in the Word of God. We'll talk about that in just a second. But if you don't know the text, you're going to miss what's actually going on here. So let's do a little bit of a deeper dive into what's going on. There are four letters, again, in Greek for love found in the New Testament. These are two that do not occur in this passage. I'm just mentioning them for the sake of your own knowledge. One is eros, which is romantic love, sensual love. The other is storge, which is familial love. That's the love of people that you are in relationship with because of blood, because of last name, because of the condition that they are part of your family, your household. So these two are very condition-based forms of love. The two listed in this chapter are above. Jesus is asking you, do you agape me? Agape is a love of complete devotion, unbound by any lists, by any conditions. 
It is the love of God which is complete devotion. It is characterized as a love that is capable of self-sacrifice, of putting that other person who is the focus of your love so far above yourself that you would lay down your life for this person. The other type that is mentioned in this passage is the word philia, where we get the word Philadelphia from, which is the love of a brother or sister. This is a family by choice, so there's another condition there. Do you love me as a friend? What Jesus is asking in this passage as he's trying to restore his own disciple to becoming an apostle is do you love me with the same self-sacrificing love that I showed you when I gave my life for you? And Peter's response to him is, Lord, I love you like a brother. Do you have that depth of love that you should have reflected from God for what God has done? And the apostle trying to figure it out within himself, trying to reach down and find his own personal truth to put on display, says, Lord, you know that I'm your friend. I'm a fair weather Christian. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you have a sacrificial love for me? The kind of love I have for you. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I, phileo, you know that I'm your friend. Jesus says, feed my lambs. And again, remember, they're still around the fire. They were still around what we would call a Baptist breakfast. They just had food together. They just had a men's prayer meeting, basically. And while the coals are still warm, in the presence of all of them, Jesus is calling back Peter's words to him. Do you love me more than these? Can you really say with a straight face that boast that you had so long ago, those three long weeks ago, and he says, Lord, I'm your friend. But Jesus still tells him, feed my lambs. Don't forget to give the word of God to the young ones. But again, the second time in front of the campfire, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? And he answered, Lord, yes, you know that I'm your friend. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? Jesus actually comes down to Peter's level on the third time. He looks Peter square in the eye. And basically he's asking them for the third time, will you at least tell me again that you're my friend? Each time he's lowering the expectation, each time he's lowering himself down to Peter's level. Could you at least tell me, in this state, before you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, can you at least hold on and claim me as your friend? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you as a friend, as a brother. And this is the way that Jesus responds. Jesus says, feed my sheep. For very truly I tell you, that when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said, follow me. During this time when Jesus was preparing one last fellowship 
one last time with his closest friends. They had all scattered. They'd all betrayed him in one way, shape, or form. But Peter was the one who took this grandiose boast in front of them, demeaning them beneath himself. And then very publicly in front of another fire, saying, I don't know Christ. I don't know his disciples. I'm not even from Galilee. I just own them all because I'm afraid. God won't do what he claimed he was going to do. It's very easy to wag our fingers at Peter and say, how dare he betray our Lord. But how many of us are the exact same way? How many of us, when the going gets tough, how many of us, when the bank account runs out, how many of us, when we look at the mess that the world is in today, simply skulk back into our homes and do nothing while the God who first loved us, who gave his own life to redeem us from a hell that was certain, knocks at the door of our hearts waiting for us to let him in. Now just because you're saved doesn't mean that you're finished. There's salvation and there's sanctification. Yes, you're saved, but what's it going to be like? Again, we talked about these two judgments. One of them at the great white throne where God himself declares, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Now, as Christians, we can bypass that. But we still appear before the mercy seat. We still appear before Jesus himself. And the way that John, in the way that the Apostle Paul described that, is that we will take the residue of our lives, we will take everything that we've done, every action, every word, every thought, we will take them all, and like the sacrifices of old, we will set our sacrificial life upon the altar, and Jesus, as the great high priest, will set a fire to it. And like a refiner's flame, the stuff that was sinful within our lives, the stuff that was worthless within our lives, the stuff that we did with the wrong motivations, every stray thought, every wrong word, we will be held accountable for. And it will be consumed. Every day that we live is another opportunity to take the straw and the stubble away and replace it with gold and with precious jewels so that when all of the dross is consumed, the gold is refined and we will present it to our Lord as a sacrifice of praise. Do you hear me this morning? If so, say amen. He is trying to refine Peter now. He is trying to bring him back fully into fellowship with the disciples, into fellowship with himself. And he's trying to strengthen his metal so that when the time comes, when power comes to him from on high and the Holy Spirit invades his heart and takes his seat among his being, he's ready. At the end of all of that, Jesus is telling you, do you love me? Are you capable of holding on to that friendship? With tears in his eyes, yes, Lord. You know everything. You know I'm your friend. Well, that'll do for now. And I promise you this, as he's telling him prophetically, right now you love me as a friend. But I tell you right now that one day coming soon, when your eyes have dimmed, when you've spent 35 plus years of your life proclaiming the gospel in Babylon, in Asia, in the Greek part of the world, and finally in Rome, when you have spent almost 40 years, I will see that agape love played out in your life. 
as you too are marched to a cross. Peter doesn't understand the facts of what would happen, but he understands what will happen. One day you will sacrifice your life. One day your phileo will become agape. One day your friendship, your brotherhood with me will be converted and transformed into the same love, into a reflection of the love that I have for you. So Peter's commissioned to remember that on the day that that happens, once his heart of stone is replaced with a heart of flesh, feed my lambs, which means don't be afraid of sharing the word with the young. Don't be afraid to make disciples. Don't be afraid not only to share the gospel of redemption, but teach them that Jesus is Lord. So often in our lives, especially today, we preach about salvation, but we forget about loyalty. We forget about the family that is the church. We forget about taking our problems to each other, confessing our sins one another, struggling with each other, laboring together, doing the work of ministry together. We forget that we have to be obedient to Christ in all things. Savior, but not Lord. No, it has to be both. Share the word. The second one. Shepherd my flock, give them direction, give them guidance. Tell, take them to where they need to go. Guide and care for my church. Send the wolves away. March them towards the green pastures. And finally, feed my sheep. Even when they think they're mature, even when they think that they've grown old in the faith, we're all still disciples of Christ together under the master teacher. Feed my lambs. Shepherd my flock, feed my sheep. All of this is a manifestation of the three great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. With that same love that he has for you. Love those made in his image. Love thy neighbor as thyself and love one another just as Jesus has loved you. This is what Paul later comments about, Jesus, about the conviction that Peter put upon him. Keep watch over yourselves and all of the flock by which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he brought, bought with his own blood. This is a legacy that endures. How do we show God's love to others? We show it in mercy. And we reflect God's mercy to others. Mercy is an outpouring of love that overrides justice. Mercy is what, justice is what we deserve. Mercy is thankfully not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you do not deserve to the plus. Oftentimes we forget that and just as you have been forgiven, you are called to forgive others just as God has been gracious to you. Show that grace to others. This is how the church grows. Not just by beating people over the head with the Bible, but living it out. Love others just as Christ has loved you. Finally, to conclude the chapter, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, his younger brother in the faith. Remember John, the author of this book, the person who, when he came to be a disciple, he was a child, and most of the artwork that portray him, he doesn't even have a beard. He's the kid. He's also part of the inner circle. In other words, he's Peter's little brother project. And when Peter hears Jesus say, you will go where you do not want to go, Peter sees his little brother. And he saw that disciple 
who Jesus loved, following them. This was the one who had leaned back on Jesus at the Lord's Supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? John is identifying himself. When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what's going to happen to him? Lord, if I'm going to die, if that's what it takes to dedicate myself to you, if that's where this road leads, and that's I'm perfectly willing to upset, but tell me, what's it going to mean for him? Someone that might... What's it going to mean for my little brother? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. In other words, my will will be done. Just be faithful. Just be obedient. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die, but Jesus didn't say it. He said, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. This is John's last words to you in this gospel. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world could not have room for the books that would be written. The love of God continues. It continues through you. The love of God, even though Christ is no longer bodily on earth with us right now, it continues through you. When Peter, 40 days after Jesus' res- resurrection, 40 days after the Feast of First Fruits, Peter went to the temple steps. And I suppose in a great way, he probably was the same Peter up until he reached that top step open mouth, insert foot, and then something brilliant happened. Tongues of flame begin to appear over him and the other disciples. And instead of relying on his own wisdom, his own strength, and his own intellect, that conversion that Jesus had promised took effect. On that day that we call Pentecost, that we are now as a church readying our hearts for, on that day, When the Holy Spirit took residence in his heart, a new person came into being. A new regenerated person who may have looked like the old Peter, but he certainly didn't act like the old Peter, and he certainly didn't sound like the old Peter. Because in one sermon, over 5,000 people came to Christ. Here's the thing I want you to consider. That same Holy Spirit is still here. The same spirit that compelled Jesus into the wilderness and to the cross. The same love that he demonstrated. The same Holy Spirit that came down, that settled upon the hearts of the apostles. That began what we now call the church. That same spirit is within you. If you are in Christ, he is within you. I can't do it alone. I can't go out and tell other people about Jesus. I can't work downstairs in the kitchen. I can't do neighborhood things. I can't do Facebook. I can't do any of it. You're right. Under your own power, you absolutely cannot do anything to make a difference in the kingdom of God. But if you have earnestly repented of your sins, if you have been convicted and have drawn to him for salvation and are trusting in Christ, if you only but believe and you have that same Holy Spirit sealed within you until the day of redemption, you can do all things in Christ who gives you strength, not under your power, not under your wisdom, not under your strength, but under the power, the strength, and the will of God.
There is nothing forged on this world that can act as a weapon against the armies of him who first loved us. We are called as soldiers of the Most High God, as the ambassadors for a kingdom yet to come that will come and that when it does, we want to have our brothers and sisters. We want to have our families and our neighbors. We want to have as much of this world as we can take with us as part of that kingdom. People that will never die. People who will go on through eternity in a state of celebration that we were always intended to have from the beginning. The question is, just as with Peter, Jesus asks, do you love me? Are you able to reflect that same sacrificing love to God that he demonstrated for you at Calvary. All of us as Christians are saved from something to something. You are not to leave a meaningless existence. You are called to a form of ministry. I don't know what that is. That's between you and God. But one thing is true, you are called to it. And if you are not in Christ, you're missing out on three things. Actually, a lot more than three things, but there are three things that I really want to hit home with you. You are missing a direct, personal, and intimate relationship with the very creator of this universe. You are missing being a child of his, an heir to that throne. Someone in the family, brought in, redeemed from slavery to be a prince or princess of this universe. Last thing, thing number three I want you to consider is the fact that you're missing out on the gift of everlasting life. A saint of God passed away this week. Someone who was nationally known to be a fervent believer who spent his entire life learning, breaking down, and proclaiming God's word. Someone who struggled with it and tried his best to live it out. Dr. Stanley went to his grave knowing that the day that he drew his last breath and closed his eyes for the final time, that wouldn't be the end of his story. And just as all the heroes of the faith that have gone before him, when he opened his eyes, and his ears were open to music that he could not have imagined otherwise. He is more alive now than he was ever beforehand. Amen. Claim that promise because that promise can apply to you. If you have not yet trusted in him for salvation, today is a wonderful and spectacular day. All you have to do is come together with, go before God. In fact, bow your hearts with me. And with your own sentiments, lift up this. But you have to feel it. It's not something that you can just repeat. But if that is the conviction on your heart, echo this. Heavenly Father, before you I am a sinner.
Lord, I want a relationship with you. I want your forgiveness. I want to be born again. I want the same everlasting life that you have promised as one of your children. So I claim the sacrifice of Christ. I believe in his resurrection. I ask that through his sacrifice you would forgive me of all of my sins. And I ask that out of that same love that you demonstrated on Calvary, you would embrace me as your own. Lord, as I set aside myself, as I set aside my wants, and as I pick up you as my Savior and my Lord, forgive me, restore me, and fill me with your Spirit, so that in all things I would live in joy and in obedience to you as my Savior and my Lord. And if there are any other burdens on any other hearts right now, Heavenly Father, we come to you asking, Lord, that you would convict us for those times that we have not loved you with everything that we are, for those times that we have not, where we have shirked away from you, when we have denied you, when we have sought our own way instead of your way, for those times when we did not love you, even though you loved us, forgive us, we pray. If we have lost that joy, if we have lost that sense of your presence, if we have lost that that certainty of your love, Lord, or if we just simply have a burden on our heart that, that is stealing our joy, Lord, whatever the need may be just now, even if it's someone to find a home for their soul, as the musicians are here and they begin to sing, please lead during this time as we open the invitation to you, lead them down this aisle to find their rest in you. In the most holy name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us at High Lawn Baptist Church. We pray that you were blessed by today's message. At High Lawn, we believe that when you love God, you share His Word. When you love others, you spread the gospel. We would love for you to join us next time, and if possible, to join us in person. To contact or learn more about us, to donate to our ongoing ministry, or most importantly, to learn about the salvation offered to you through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, visit us at highlawnbaptistchurch.org. Once again, thank you, and God bless you.